Hi, Changemakers. This is Change That Happens, the podcast. I'm your host, Peggy Mapulensepe, an advocate for change and social impact. This podcast seeks to engage in transformative spiritual conversations as we seek to explore how to create change within ourselves and within our communities. Our guests are changemakers, creating spaces where change can happen. I believe in divine connections, and today's guest is the embodiment of that belief. Our paths crossed, and my spirit captured her. I never take for granted the path of my life and why I'm here and here with you. When I meet people, I'm like that person. I, I have to speak to her. You know, if I meet amazing people, I'm just in my like a bookmark in my mind. So welcome. And I want to know about what you do and the work that you do. So I've also had a journey, I think, with my work. Um, and I think uh, my understanding of uh, success may not exactly be the same as a lot of people. I think in life we have many successes and many purposes and gifts. Um, and that I've, I've had various successes that um, make me who I am. Like they don't make sense in the linear trajectory of this is what a career looks like. Um, and I think that even the way in which the world of work is changing, realizing that actually there's, there's so much to learn and, and there's so many things that um, need like skilled people, creative people, um, talented people, um, and, and people with a purpose. That, that, that they're like, those people need to influence certain sectors and certain industries, and it doesn't have to be linear. So that's my introduction of my, my career <laughs> and what I do. Um, so I'm an activist, um, and I, I'm an activist through my writing. Um, I'm an activist as well when I do research and also I'm an activist when I uh, speak, uh, when I'm asked to speak about um, gender issues related to gender, issues related to public policy, but also um, I'm a change maker. So uh, social change is also a part and parcel of the work that I do. Uh, I went to UCT and uh, at the time when I was in UCT, I was a, a Rhodes Must Fall activist and a Peace Must Fall activist. And I was part of laying the foundations of what those two movements would be. Uh, and also uh, I was part of forging the connections between the, two, the, the different campuses uh, for Fees Must Fall. But in essence, it, it, started, it started as Roots Must Fall, as us challenging uh, white supremacy, challenging patriarchy, challenging classism, and the power structures that actually really affect our, our, our daily lives as black people in South Africa. And so 
the statue to be honest was uh, a statue that we experience every day it's the statue was nearly symbolic um it, it, it was it became the the, the emphasis uh, of why we are protesting but it was merely symbolic to say that you know the, the extractives industry like it's very exploitative and it's it's literally the 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 crux of like the inequalities in in South Africa's capitalist system um and uh, to look at Rhodes Rhodes himself uh, was someone who was part and parcel of the extractives industry and so we must challenge um capitalism and the way in which workers are dealt with in this country and and also in the sense of patriarchy this man really uh, objectified women um enslaved them and so when you're dealing with patriarchy here is a symbol um it's Cecil John Rhodes and and so uh i was really part of emphasizing the fact that we cannot have uh, a single lens struggle like all of it is connected mm-hmm. and as an african feminist um it's very important to see that our struggles are very connected i can't challenge racism and not challenge patriarchy yeah. um and not challenge capitalism coming from a family that is working class you know uh, all of that is connected and has formed my experience and molded my experience in a particular way so so uh, i i people know me as a rosemas for activist but i started organizing from second year in university doing all sorts of um drives and campaigns or uh, uh, one of them was around menstruation and kind of destigmatizing menstruation on campus um another was just like starting uh very difficult conversations with people um on uh in a public space what is called jammy stairs at UCT um and that is starting to raise consciousness about social issues merely through um conversation which i think dialogue is where you you start to debunk uh prejudice you start to dismantle um privilege uh that exists at UCT at spaces like universities and UCT. Um and so the the organizing I think I I'm part of a long history of organizing um and and so I don't look at it as I'm an I'm just a Rosemas for activist. I'm I'm an activist. When in your life did you know that you were an activist? Like how early on were you always that person? I I'm always very intrigued in in early life and our understanding of who we are even before concepts and and naming and titles come but did when did you know i think my very existence is one that is challenging a lot of power structures so i've i've literally had to fight um from 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 foundation phase mm-hmm. right so i'll explain a bit about my life um my my mother uh was a domestic worker uh up until um maybe 5 years ago uh which she made a switch and now she is a community care worker and um my father had various um different um so it's in diff- different uh, uh he he had different jobs um yeah. and struggled in those jobs because he himself is an activist um and and so 
in the time that he was an activist, it was um, to be challenging power structures in the way that he was as a shop steward, mm -hmm. as um, kind of a working class person. Um, he, yeah, I think my activist spirit really, I, I'm continuing that, that, uh, that gift that my dad has um, as a shop steward, as someone who uh, was brokering kind of um, deals, making very hard negotiations um, mm -hmm. in the early 90s. And so um, I, I think I, that's a gift that I've inherited from him. Um, but to say that my very existence is one of um, an active black an activist or I have an activist spirit rather um, I so I grew up in a suburb uh, in Durban uh, called Westpool um, in a time where uh, there weren't a lot of black people living in in such a setting and I I, I went to former Model C schools and then I went to a private school but you know like my my mother and my father are still working class but here i am navigating um privilege or lots and lots of privilege that i don't have direct access to but i'm in those spaces and i have to um kind of fight to be heard <laughs> um I, I i like my my background is very different and so i uh, i can see the inequalities between my peers and myself uh, but also in in that household um where my mom was a domestic live-in domestic worker and just walk 10 10 meters and life is completely different um so that 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 also gave me um a, a consciousness that that a lot of people maybe get much later um but from foundation phase i really i, I knew that there was something wrong that i walked 10 meters and life is really different um uh, and and you know like even something as, as, as critical, I think right now is food, um, that on the one hand, there's a scarcity and it's something that is the cause of a lot of conflict. And on the other hand, I mean, the choice is how do we, how do we, um, like, how do we ensure that we are not wasting, um, that there's not a lot of food waste? How do we, you know, so the cause, like the, the problems are very different from these households that are living in the same like in the same uh plot of land let me put it like that yeah yeah and i think i think when you talk about the disparities and like the differences um of, of life as you experience it when you go to to school so in, in white neighborhoods um white schools privileged um areas and you come back home i i, I grew up in Okshini, so going to school was a different environment coming back home was a completely different environment right and in in a sense uh for me i like the term um activist spirit you know because i think if you are aware enough and you are thoughtful enough about where you are you start to realize that something is wrong here at an early end you start to say when you talk about walking 10 meters and then it's a completely different environment imagine having the duality of life and you're thinking something is wrong here um i'm being taught to be someone else in these environments 
Mm. That's what I mean by 10 meters. So we, my my father, myself, and my mother were in the were living as a family in the service quarters, um, and and then 10 meters you walk to the house where my mother's working in. And it's completely different reality, and so um, I didn't have the experience of having to go to like the township or Elokshin. I was always a visitor there, so I, I kind of knew that life, but from a distance, right? Mm-hmm. And and rural life as well, because I mean that 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 place was not home. It wasn't permanent. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. Depending on um, my mom, um, kind of maintaining a good uh, employee-employer relationship, but it's also a very intimate one because we are we the households are literally it's like we are next door, but we are also in the same household, you know. Mm. Um, so so yeah, I, I think that that disparity, literally living it every day, um, there's no escape. You can't like. The, even at school, like going to school, might, even at school, it's the same. And how do you how do you find yourself becoming from 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 that? How do you start speaking for for black women? I mean, you, earlier you mentioned African feminism. I wanted to also delve deep into that um, and just expound on that. Um, from that girl living in that um, scenario growing up in these privileged um backgrounds how does how does mbali um start advocating for the african woman and african feminism uh, so uh, also kind of foundation stage um my mom held what i now do as a focus group right but in in her own in 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 the family um in african spirituality uh it's called ukbola um it's done by like all old grandmothers they'll 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 back call a meeting amongst women to kind of sit and talk about what's what's happening in their lives the the pain that other women may have inflicted on them um uh just also the, the the blind spots that we also have just as human beings that may hurt another woman so my mom facilitated something like that um I was very young uh it, with her own sisters and um my grandmother and so i was still very young at that 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 stage but i was a spectator a very a very interested and curious spectator as to like okay what 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 do women speak about when they're alone mm-hmm. um and so uh that was the moment where i realized you know this this should be done more and and mm-hmm. i i'm going to make sure that this is done more because from that came uh a sense where black women could heal or a space where black women could heal um the way they could be held and supported and uh, but also you understand the just also the struggles that they face on on the daily like um and 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 that experience for me has really has really molded me and my politics and and also how how I have conversations with women um uh, i i got it from watching and like being that very inquisitive spectator as a child uh i yeah <laughs> i think that is amazing like like you know um and i think 
I'm interested in those small spaces in which we grow up in, right? And that are not mainstream, but are so spiritual in essence, where we learn who we are based on the surrounding of the women around us, right? We, we learn how to become women because we look at other women. And I think when we look at African um, feminism or feminism as a movement in general, because of elitism and intellectualization of the word and the movement of feminism, we take so granted that we have always, as African women, our history denotes that we have always practiced feminism in our communities, in our work, in our identity, in, in finding and sorting after who we are and our purpose. And I think um, what you're talking about is so important. I want you to talk about what you do in your focus group now for this age, for this era, and the impact it has on the women which you talk to about. And I think when I think about Ukwodla, I just have this image of, um, I'm a very visual person, just Abu Mama, you know, just like Bafugamele, each other, just kind of having these moments, these spiritual moments. What is the impact of what you, the focus group that you have now on the women who come to the focus group? And I think that is an amazing idea. We need more of that, by the way. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't have one that is ongoing. Okay. Um, I, I have them when I have like a, a research project <laughs> um, or I'm, I'm just like interested in really getting to the core of like a, 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 an issue or moments that, that really has affected uh, black women. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I work a lot in conflict zones. Mm -hmm. um, like currently I'm working in the Horn of Africa. And so what I was, uh, until COVID happened, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what, I what I was going to do is have focus groups in Uganda around um, lo the localization of uh, women, peace and security. Mm -hmm. um, but what that actually means um, in practice is that I was going to host focus groups to get women to speak about um, gender-based violence mm -hmm. and to speak about their indigenous methods of um, forging peace and and helping people find peace after they've dealt with traumatic uh, or difficult experiences that are violent um such as uh, gender-based violence and sexual and gender-based violence um so that that's that's the space in which i use focus groups really to to let people heal from violence to let them speak about it um and also just to, uh, help them also uh, address the memory because there's a trauma in the memory Mm. Uh, so yeah, I, I, the, 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 this method helps me uh, help other people deal with their trauma and I myself have had to deal with layers of trauma. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think I use my own experience to help people find a way to um, acknowledge their trauma mm -hmm. uh, and to also allow them to find their own journey to to peel off the layers and why research why why um earlier you said um you use activism even in your research why particularly research so a lot of black women's stories aren't uh, documented so mm -hmm. um 
my political mission is to ensure that black women are recorded in history um, and uh, history is in the making all the time um, so I, I want to ensure that um, their stories are also reflected holistically um, that it's not a nationalistic um, narrative of um, you know 1956 women marched yeah. that narrative is right yeah. and I think now we're going to uh, into women's month there's a particular focus on one historical moment mm. women are making history today yeah. you know? so um, that that's that's why I value research um, the research takes time yes. and um, it also you, you you also have to treat people's stories with uh, like you, you have to treat it with a certain sensitivity mm-hmm. um, and you also have to be ethical in what you do with yes. uh, the that they share so um, I know a lot of people look at research as like why would you want to go through that process <laughs> why wouldn't you just like mm. but but I, I like the way in which narratives are treated um, there's a way in which you you have to be ethical about what you do with the story um, and also they have access to it. Um, I, I try not write in an inaccessible way um, because uh, I think academia has a way of excluding people yes. from uh, the, the people who you actually interview don't end up being the people you read, like mm-hmm. who read the article. Yes. So I, I try uh, use that the, the people's stories or disseminate it in different ways, mm-hmm. not just the, the academic journal but also um uh by you know like speaking about it when i do interviews or um making sure that when i write opinion pieces that i make reference to things that i uh or or things that i've done in my research um and people's stories that i've come across in my research so uh yeah to answer you research is political uh, because it's research about black women and black women have been abused. Um, and so my activism is to make sure that they are documented and that the history that they make every day, every day. Um, is recognized. Yeah, no, I, li- I like that um, research, the idea that research is political and that what we know about history right now, which is whether it's our history or not our history, is based on documentation. And I think there is a big gap that it still needs to be filled by um, a lot of young people, black black people in our continent in capturing our stories in a way that we control the narrative and we can ethically come into our own communities and collect their data. And I think once we do that, I love research. I I think that's how we connected because I was speaking about the UN. Uh, and that panel discussion I think uh, we were attending and I think um, because so many times research has been collected about black communities, black women particularly, without their consent, right, has been used without consent and I think as a black woman, a conscious, um, uh, open-minded, willing to learn uh, black woman, we're able to capture those stories as you say and ethically so for those communities, um, not to exploit, not to 
um, you know, uh, kind of uh, demean, but also to bring awareness and also to lift up. I think that's an, a very important um, aspect that you're bringing up. And then the next thing that I'm really interested about is um, you also tell us about your work in policy making and what is policy making and how can me ordinarily get involved in what is being said about me in spaces in which I move in. Okay, so I my work actually looks at the disparity between policy and reality mm -hmm. and uh, try to mitigate that, that disparity and that gap. Um, by making, for example, submissions to Women's Parliament. Um, like last year in 2019, um, I went to Women's Parliament in order to make submissions uh, around justice, like how, how women are accessing justice um, and how, um, you know, the, just the difficulties and um, dealing with the police when they, they're, they're trying to um, get assistance and access justice because of like uh, gender-based violence, for example. So uh, I think one way in which you can make an impact is by physically being in those spaces where policy is being discussed and where submissions are being made. Uh, another way in which I influence policy is through research. So um, like I write research reports or policy briefs, and then those are disseminated to the African Union or are presented to the African Union. And the project that I'm doing now in the Horn, um, I have the task of presenting on the localization of um, the, the National Action Plan on Women, Peace and Security in the IGAD region. I have to then presented to the African Union high-level implementation panel that's chaired by former president Tabombeki. Mm -hmm. So that's another way through research that through my findings I can then make recommendations to policymakers and and then they they can integrate that into policy. Um, and then another way, which I think any ordinary South African who um, who either has the expertise to comment or has the experience to comment can do. I mean, there's there's uh, often um, the each national action plan or policy before it, it's finalized goes out for public comment. Um, and so I've made various submissions. Um, the one was to deal with um, sexual and gender-based violence and femicide in um, institutions of higher learning. Mm. Um, that that I made a submission, and that was merely as like me as part of the public. Um, but but also um, I made a collective submission. Uh, with other academics at UCT. So we came together, people who had the, as people who have the ex expertise, we came together and we went through the policy like page by page um, and had debates and discussion. And it was, it's an extensive process, but it's, it's about our lives. So we, we have to commit to that extensive process um, because often, you know, activists, people say the critique about activists is that, you know, you guys are always um, kind of shouting from the periphery. Yeah, um, yeah. But 
<laughs> but where are the activists when the decisions need to be made? <laughs> so I, I really don't want to operate from the margin. Like we, people with an activist spirit are often placed on the margins because they're challenging uh, systems that people are very invested in. So I, I, I really, I, I position myself. I, I want to be in the center, although I'm being pushed. We'll fight to be in that center so that um, the the causes that I stand for are are, are really placed on the agenda. Uh, and so I, I think I've explained the various ways in which you know policy happens every day. So you, I think anyone can get involved, even if they don't have the expertise, they have the, mm. the experience. I think I think um, when you talk about like um, in, everyone can get involved. It, it has seemed so inaccessible for so long um, for people to um, either have a comment on the uh, on whether it's justice, gender-based violence, on the law. Um, people have felt, um, particularly people of color, have felt uh, detached from being able to access what their rights are in terms of, oh, I have a say in, and I've always had this, this idea like in my own conversations with myself uh, on my research and my writing that uh, if you don't know what your standing is and your rights are you always feel like you cannot comment on um, laws that happen and that affect you because it, it feels inaccessible and has and has been made to be inaccessible for such a long time i mean um whether you're going to varsity rcl everything was kind of politically charged you know but it was never it was never it was never a conversation around you have access to this because you're a citizen you have the right to you have to know you can go here to know about this stuff you know and i think uh, when you talk about these various ways um and it gives confidence in saying i can be part of that conversation in my own way, my experience is also valid. And I think when, when, when I talk to you and I listen to what you're saying, it gives so much validation, it gives so much worthiness to say, research, black women, policy, feminism, African feminism, activism is a right which we need to get a hold of and that we can exercise in our daily life. Anything else that you want to talk about that is pertinent and, and that is most interesting to you about the work that you do before we close off? Also, while you're there, think about top five books for us to read. Okay, I need your top five books for us to read in helping <laughs> us understand. Yeah, so I think just to uh, end off, I think we, uh, my activist spirit also has to speak about the times that we are in right now um, and, and how that is shaping feminist organizing mm -hmm. and, and some of the, I think the realities that we must also face as African feminists is that, you know, we live in a country where there's a digital divide mm -hmm. um, and this pandemic has made us so dependent on, um, you know, the internet. Uh, it, it was always going to happen. I, I think 
the, this pandemic has showed us shown us an inevitability that at some stage the world of work is going to change drastically and that the way we were operating was not sustainable but also that you know inequalities are are going to be um even more um grave like they're going to be exaggerated even further because of the ways in which things are changing. And so what I want to, what I want people who have an activist spirit to really be aware of is that we really need to address this digital divide because we, like my organizing has really been affected by that. Like I can't access the participants that I, I wanted to speak to um, in Uganda, for example, because of this digital divide, I must change my, the, the way in which I do my research, like entirely. And now it's completely report-based instead of centering people's experiences, yeah. now I have to look at reports and rely on what other people have done. So that's just an example to say that, you know, I, I really want to put the, the internet on the, agenda, on the agenda and data in this country on the agenda. And also I think on the continent, it's also, it's, it's been the source of uh, a lot of repression. For example, one incident that really impacted my uh, personal life, but also millions of people in Ethiopia were affected. There was an internet shutdown from the 30th of June to the 15th of July. Everyone in Ethiopia was off the grid. Uh, and so uh, when when governments are doing that, that really, it kind of, you know, it, 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 it raises a lot of concerns about the future that uh, states are able to control connection, <laughs> they're able to control um, how far people's work can reach, um, just by merely shutting down the internet that we are heavily reliant on, even the fact that we're having this conversation is because it exists. Yes. So, um, yeah, so, so the, that I really want to put on the agenda. And I also want to put abuses that happened there. Um, I mean, there have been uh, numerous cases of uh, online harassment, you know, uh, the internet being the source of children being trafficked, uh, mm. women trafficked. So it, it like society, it, 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 like society, I think internet reflects the inequalities, the the, bu the abuses that have take place in society. So uh, as much as it can be used to progress causes, it also it has competing cultures that really uh, are, are are part of the rollbacks in democracy. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, what you're talking about with the pandemic. I think it highlighted so much of the inequality in which we are living in. It highlighted, um, we, we knew we were living in an unequal country. The economy is, um, is, is, is not in the hands of the people. And this digital divide that you're talking about is an interesting uh, concept. And I think we should delve in deep. And I just, as you're speaking, I just thought of um, a lady who actually works within the digital space for women. Um, and I think it will be an interesting conversation to have you guys there together um, and just kind of delve deep into this and, uh, and see what can be done. Also, part of the what 
WhatsApp group that has uh, over 200 participants um, and it's feminists from Africa and the diaspora and that it has been a space in which uh, I mean, it feeds um, streams of consciousness. Um, it really—it's—it's it's a space in which we learn, we make mistakes, we call each other out with from a, a place of care and love and um, growth, like wanting people to grow. Um, but it's also an opportunity to find uh, African women who have feminist politics that work in the tech space. It's also mm -hmm. a place to the database of like feminists um so collaboration happens um in ways that are easier than before so um something like whatsapp is effective now in organizing as well yeah um, it's called feminine while african we also have a twitter page yeah. um so yeah i think also with this pandemic uh there's online communities that have really helped me um, and have kept my, my politics alive, my activist spirit alive, when really the, the environment is, is, is really telling us, you know, um, we're in a pandemic, it's anxiety inducing. Um, we have to deal with financial insecurity. Um, and also the fact that black women are dying um, from femicide. And, and that we have a, a national issue of substance abuse. Yes. Um, the fact that having an alcohol ban speaks to the fact that actually this is a source of a lot of social ills. Um, and just just by controlling that, you can like it, it has saved a lot of lives. Um, so uh, I, I really I really wanted to just. Uh, share that space that it exists and that it's really helped me um yeah uh, i just i thought it was important uh, i've actually thought of some books i don't know if i have five but okay. i <laughs> i really i have i have books in mind okay and also after we share your books uh please tell us where we can find your work where we can read about your work um yeah and i'll be sharing links as well as when i'm sharing the, the podcast Okay, yes. so books to recommend, um, Nahanda, um, that I'm actually currently reading for the third time. It's by Yvonne Vera. Uh, it's a, a novel. Um, it's, it's also a spiritual journey um, about a black womanhood, birth, um, and ancestral, like just the, the, the journey of uh, the ancestral spirit from birth to death, um, and it's it's based on it's based in Zimbabwe, uh, but it's really a book that I often go back to and and read and re understand my perp one of my purposes. Um, once again, I think it's to heal wounds and to to make sure that trauma that sits in people's wounds is wounds is released. Yeah. Um, then uh, another book uh, that I really recommend is Spilt Milk. Uh, yeah. I think it really <laughs> uh, one I really I really appreciate Copano uh, Matla or Copano Matla Mabaso. She goes now. Yeah. Uh, I read her as a teenager. Still read her today. Um, and I, I've had the privilege of being on the same scholarship as her and being in spaces, same in the same spaces as her. Yeah. Um, and 
I, I, what I can say about that particular book is that it makes me realize that even when we are together, or we organize as black people and we build institutions. I mean, it's about a private school uh, for black children. And uh, even in that, white supremacy can still exist. Mm. And, and that deal with um, the things that we've taken on um, as black people that actually don't stem from our own origins um, that stem from the system and I've seen I've even seen this in my organizing that you know even uh, when we're pushing black consciousness the, there's still people who struggle you know to um, really leave behind uh, aspects of uh, privilege and white supremacy and um, patriarchy which yeah. is the big one have been experiencing sexual violence in um, organizing spaces from controversies uh, where black consciousness movement um, and even roads must fall and peace yeah. must fall. So, you know, there's continue, there's continuities and um, yeah, I, I think Spilt Milk, um, I want to recommend that one as well. Uh, then, uh, and they didn't die. Um, it's by Loretta Ngobo and um, that, that for me is also, it's also a feminist book. It's part of um, African feminist literature. I also often go back to it. Um, I, I, I think I'm often being called to certain books that have something to do with my own lineage yeah. um, as well. That's one of them in certain case at end. And it, it just, uh, it's a series of like narratives about um, one, what black women were going through while um, land was being dispossessed from black, from black families. So it goes right back to the Land Act. Wow. Um, and that for me was really fascinating. Um, Mm, and they didn't die. Um, yeah. uh, then, how many are <laughs> You can tell You're number three. Number three out of five. Okay, then I would say Rape by Pumna Gola. Um, Rape, a South African nightmare. I think it's really important to read because it, it gives you the, the, the state of the nation. Yeah. And the fact that we keep saying that, you know, South Africa is you know, one of the most dangerous countries to live in as a woman. Uh, but that, that story really in a, in a way, I mean, that it's not a story, but it's a piece of nonfiction. Uh, it really helps you understand the, the picture. Uh, it really paints for you. And, and so uh, it's not an easy read. It took me a while. Um, yeah, because you see it, you, you don't have to look far to, to, to know a woman who has that story. So it's, it's, very, it's a very hard read, but really it comes recommended. Ooh. Then the fifth one, I think I'm gonna have to come back to it. Like okay. we, can, we, can, we can think about something else, but it, it will come back to me. That's okay. Uh, so tell us where can we find your work? Where can we find you on the socials? So I, I'm on Twitter. Um, I, I'm, I'm on Twitter as Bali Matandela. Um, I go as both Mbale and Bali. Uh, I think 
my activist spirit pushed itself as Mali for a while. <laughs> and then and then there was just this time in my work where I became Balente and there I'm known as both, so I, I accept both. Mm-hmm. Um so even even on social media and uh, online you can find me as both and it, it gives you uh, an idea of my work for holistically uh, then yeah I think you can find me on Google <laughs> you can find me on Google uh, also know, uh, uh, yeah as both Bali and Valencia and so you'll get um, array of the work that I've done the festivals that I've attended um, the the different presentations that I've done um, and and I know we're also in a digital time and we're moving to uh, a space in which it's really important that writers and creators have portfolios um, uh, so I'm move I'm getting there okay. <laughs> I'm Um, and in the future we'll have that space where uh, there's one landing page where you can find everything that I've done because I also think we as artists and as creatives and just as activists that even information needs to be organized because um, when it is not a lot gets lost as well and so in in that same mission of documenting I think the the mission of making sure that we also archive ourselves yes. create it ourselves is, is really important so that's a, a mission I'm on I'm not there yet um, yeah I think thank you thank you so much <laughs> yeah this has been so lovely has been so insightful for myself and I'm sure from the listeners just this journey with you like your life and how you are becoming and have become Malenta Matandela and the influences in your life to the person that you're being and you're becoming and I think there's so much to learn I think this is like a 1.1 there will be a 1.2 and I think spirit will lead to spirit at, at when that time comes but I, I, I thank you for your time my book actually yes um so it's part of my soul uh by unomzamo wini mandela um i was also reading it recently and it, i was reading it for the second time uh because if you, you know would see what unomzamo means it means a trial right yes. so uh, the the last time i read it i was facing a trial which is um pushing for free education mm. in the country and um and, and that led me to be arrested to an actual trial in a court um and and so uh there were other sort of interconnected trials in my personal life that I was also going through where I really needed that book and I needed mm. um a, a role model like who mama wini to mm. to be by myself to a book mm. and more recently i had a second trial uh one that has to do with my health um but also one that has to do with understanding my role as healer and, mm. and so i needed to go back to that book to um draw from generations of uh african 
feminist and Mama Winnie is part of uh, that lineage, right? So uh, that is my fifth book. Um, And I mean, I've had, there's also a very personal story with um, Mama Winnie that I have that I feel like I need to go back to her as a a feminist ancestor when I need guidance. Um, Come through with the words, feminist ancestor. And it feels like we have the privilege as black women to have people go who have gone before us, right? Who have written, who have experienced, who have fought with us. And we are, I think that's where our courage comes from, um, to fight and to keep talking about these issues to, whether it is through research, whether it's through conversations, but there is a, we, we are strong because we know we have so many women around us uh, alive and not alive, but who are encompassing us and kind of pushing us forward and saying, yeah, Pambi, go into solitude uh, or speak about this or go here, don't be afraid. It comes from such a, a long line of support, whether we see it or we don't, sometimes we embody it, we feel it and it's inside of us. Yeah, I mean, also just on Mama Winnie, mm. I think that she's also a source of protection. So the I was in Palestine in 2018 um, to I was on fellowship, but it was part of educating young people, young activists about the occupation um, in Palestine, and and so uh, we kind of met. Various stakeholders in the Palestinian struggle, and uh, I encountered uh, a photo of Mama Winnie and the South African delegation that had come to Palestine to uh, sort of uh, show their solidarity. I mean, we're we're um, we're we're of the same movement; like our hands are in the same struggle, um, Palestine and South Africa, and so. Uh, I got to understand the geopolitics in a very different way, just through a photo, just um, and networks, uh, networks of uh, people who have been fighting for liberation across countries, not not just in South Africa and our liberation movement, but also knowing what what that the role that Cuba played and the role that Palestine played in ensuring that you know I I'm not part of a generation that carries it but in Palestine people have to deal with checkpoints mm. um, people are still experiencing apartheid the, the, the same apartheid that was born in exactly the same year as ours but sure. this has just it's no longer spoken about it's like the forgotten apartheid um, there was a two-state solution that uh, was implemented in the ninth, early 90s, round about the same timeline as South Africa going into a new dispensation yeah. um, with unfinished business. Um, so it was a source of protection because I was there during the, the, the March of Return. Mm. And the March of Return, um, it, it had takes place in March every year, uh, 31st, and it's the Palestinians really fighting for their land back. And they like all of these um, Israeli settlements have been built up, and their land has been eaten up by these 
settlement and they've been brutally taken off their land. Yeah. You look at our own black people, we don't have land. And it's been brutally taken away from us. So uh, I think also just seeing that photo of the South African delegation, I was able to link my struggle to the Palestinian struggle. And then also in a place where it was absolutely anxiety inducing to hear just uh, stun grenades going off, like um, actual, seeing actual guns and actual soldiers and a seven-year-old getting arrested for throwing stones. Like that picture of Mama Winnie was like, okay, I'm saved. Like I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna be able to tell people about the story. Yeah. Yes, I've, I've interrogated for hours at the airport. My phone was, you know, uh, they look through my phone. Of course, I have. I'm an activist, so uh, uh, being an activist and having an activist spirit is a threat to mm. a lot of people who invested in this world. Yes. So uh, I think I also just wanted to emphasize that, you know, the 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 work that I do is not without risks, and um, it's not without. Um, know there's difficulties when when you're you're challenging the state or or states that are invested in power um and when you're speaking truth you become a threat um and and so the there's sacrifices that are involved in um making the choice to act on your activist spirit um and and so i think yeah i wanted to emphasize that it's Mm. it's beautiful work but it's also work that is very dangerous. Yeah. Um, also, I think also, particularly when you talk about states that are invested in power, not only political power, but religious power as well. You know, um, I think the complexities in Palestine um, and the Israel, Israel area, the Gaza Strip, um, it's, it's that duality of, of, of religious power and political power and what is morally correct and what is morally and that's so there's a there's a racism that that exists there that is so similar that it's actually it's chilling it's so similar to the experience like they're black palestinians but you never hear about them um you they're not in any public discourse uh, about palestinian uh society Right, and Palestinian society is also um, they were they were uh, it's a pluralistic society in which um, they were they were Jewish people, they were Muslims, they um, Druze people um, who elect um, uh, who draw from Islam, but they're a sect on their own. Um, there, there's um, Palestinian Christians that you don't hear about either um, because they're a minority, right? And so um, even in that society, you can see how heavily racialized it is, but also that, um, it, you know, they, they even, even though they're dealing with the Israelis, Palestinians themselves have issues to deal with. And then the Israelis also, because there's um, the, uh, the, 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 the Ethiopian people who are um, who are considered some of them citizens of Israel um, because of their Jewish faith um, and so even then 
you see there's a racism they're there like those soldiers who come from ethiopia they are sent to the most tense places um because you know black lives don't matter yeah um so <laughs> so so even in that situation you see racial hierarchies you see um kind of a, a similarities between apartheid and what the the situation they are living under and i i remember a very chilling experience of walking through a checkpoint and just feeling like yo i, I i'm i'm living um the experiences of my grandmothers and oh kokobam in a different country though like uh, i i'm i'm being interrogated as to why i'm now stepping into the west bank from jerusalem who and these places are part of two different countries well um they're not really recognized um but but there's this borders there's different mm. roads mm. you know like people are using the palestinians use one road the israelis use a different road um even to get to one place just the time like i i think what also people don't emphasize is just the 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 inconvenience of racism <laughs> it's very it's a very inconvenient thing and so they've done that even in terms of how they've designed this like cities so um the road that goes to a university for a palestinian takes 2 hours for the israeli it's a 30 minute drive and that inconvenience is done on purpose to exclude through that inconvenience yes uh, and and like making meetings like you can't you can't plan with palestinian you need at least a two hour leeway because you don't know what's going to take place at a checkpoint it could be brutalized it could be told they can't go on the other side so you make a meeting yes but you also crossing fingers that they they make it past the checkpoint so you know and i think there's so much to talk about when you talk about how our town designed uh, um in in south africa um have been designed to exclude you know designed not to access have been designed not to reach you know and mm. there's so much there when you think about it that apartheid as a system uh, oppression as a system and um how all of these things when we look at them now and it's, i think it's up to us to be able to dismantle in the spaces in which we occupy to say we have to bring we have to make our neighborhoods our communities um better we have to bring access to them because if we're going to ever move forward it starts there it starts at this town wasn't designed for people who live in it to ever succeed you know like um it it, it wasn't designed for the people to ever um, reach for more you know and 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 when you are a person who has reached it it almost is that the the responsibility and the burden says i need to reach back um because i've been able to reach outside of but i need to reach back and that is like the activism of life and the activism of our spirits um how connected we are from where we come from and how connected we are from the people who look like us whether you like it or not whether you it doesn't matter what your idea is about um abandama nyama And the fact is the matter is that they look like you um and you might have they look like you and 
there is some semblance of responsibility and accountability that comes with being an activist you know with being a spiritual activist even more because you understand that the human spirit is fighting a deeper fight than what we see on the outside yeah thank you for that analogy for with the with the palestine and the comparisons and um of 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 that apartheid existing and how what we've been through in our country um and how mama wini was there with you you know and i just i just love how you annotate um that experience you know and the spirituality and like the guidance that you've had to endure at a, at a place that you and your color skin is literally a crime mm. a black woman is literally like a crime Really, really good, and we 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 could go on forever. I know we could. I literally know we could. I'm like, I'm like, I need to stop this girl right here. We are researchers. You have so much to talk about. That is, you you have a lot. You're like, oh yeah, that idea as well. That idea. Like I'm sitting here writing stuff that I'm like, I shouldn't. I will not ask her this now. This is 2.0 stuff. 2.0 is gonna come. So we, I will ask her all this stuff. Thank you so much, and. I have to wish you well with your journey of self discovery in your work in in the work that you do I'm really happy to have met you to get acquainted with your work happy to have to just hear and listen about your experience and your life and who you really are and what you want to give to the world for me that is it last words Oh, thank you for this platform. I think uh, creative to creative um, and activist to activist and recognizing your spirit as well. Uh, I think this this is a guided conversation. Yes. Um, I also think that the timing was guided as well. Yes. Um, and I mean, even the, the books you asked me, it, it, I, I've been journaling down like important books or books that are really important to me. Um, I just don't have that journal here, so I was working off the top of my head. But it, it, that question I felt like was was guided, yeah. um, and the questions that have come up in this this uh, conversation uh, have really. I mean, we have we have grandmothers and uh, you know feminists. Uh, ancestors who are guiding this conversation so i uh, i really i thank you uh for so your patience and and also yeah i mean it, i feel i feel good after this conversation no, it feels like it feels like a support group it literally feels like i have been seen and i have been heard and i think these are the spaces that we need to create for women for black women to be seen and to be heard you know yeah Thank you so much. Now and then. <laughs> Bye. Chat soon. Chat soon. Yes. Thank you for being part of our conversation. Follow and like us on Instagram and Facebook at Change That Happens. Listen and subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Thank you.